Lord, we thank you that, uh, Father, you're here with us this morning. And Lord, we want to be here with you. And Lord, we just take a moment just to focus in with you. Just to thank you for what you've done on Calvary for us, Jesus. What, Father God, you've given us through Calvary, your Holy Spirit. So that, Father, we can be here with you today. Thank you for your rest, Father, that you are here with us. We just present ourselves to you this morning, trusting in your hand, trusting that, Father, we are in your hands. Hallelujah. All is well. All is well. Hallelujah. Just invite your Holy Spirit. this is about, this is what us coming together is about, just meeting with you. I thank you for that, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. wait in your presence, Father. Thank you, Lord. You are a prayer answering God. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 
Amen. Amen. It's good to just take some time to stop down instead of just jumping in. It's all about being with God. It is the most important part of our kind of walk is just that we are connecting with God and allowing Him to connect with us. There has to be an allowance for that. Feel to wait a bit. Just hmm. you want to just come to the mic then just so people can hear it there's a scripture that's that came to my mind this morning and it's found in proverbs and it says a man plans his ways but the lord directs his steps mm. Yeah, it's really interesting, isn't it, that God, that's a really encouraging scripture, actually. Because what it's telling us is that, yeah, we make our plans and we do what we're going to do. Um, and sometimes we really get worried that what we're doing is God's will. Are we going in God's direction? Is what God wants us to do with what is happening? And, and what this scripture seems to say is that though we may you know, be doing what we're doing, we can trust that God's purposes, I think that's another translation for that, that God's purposes will be manifested. And, and I don't know how much, I don't know about you, but I know we spend an awful lot of time trying to figure out the direction and are we going in the right direction, and uh, especially if you're in leadership, especially if it's your responsibility to guide something, you know, or to be this, the one who sets the course. It can be really daunting to try to grapple with whether or not you're doing the right thing are you leading your family in the right way are you doing are you making the right decisions and i think there's a point at which we have to come to that scripture and just kind of go okay <laughs> okay i'm not god you're god and you are going to establish what it is that you want done one way or another does that mean that we can get in the way it absolutely means we can get in the way but it, at the most, what we're going to do is delay it. And so you just, and I suppose there is some room there for missing it altogether, what God's plan and purposes may be. But I think you've got to work really hard at that. You've got to really, really work hard at that. And you've got to not be listening, not reading the Bible, not talking to other people, not getting people to pray for you in order to miss it completely you've got to go into a shell but if for this scripture is for i think hopefully everybody here who is trying to hear god and trying to understand and trying to know what the right thing to do is and if we're listening to his word listening to his spirit and listening to his body those three things together we're going to get a congruency of opinion that eventually is going to give us the direction and sometimes God just makes it so that there's no other way to go. There's just no other way to go except through this, through this way. But it's really encouraging to hear that God is saying, I know you're seeking and I know you're trying to find the way, but don't worry, I'm going to make it. I'm going to make sure that my purposes are manifested in your life that my purposes are manifested in your life, that he's going to finish that good work that he's begun in Christ Jesus, that God is going to do this. You're not on your own. You're not just flailing out there. 
but God is actually guiding, probably guiding more when we don't know it than when we do. So it's just a, a real encouragement this morning to kind of realize that if we're seeking God, and that doesn't mean you're praying and fasting every day, but if you're seeking God and listening, you wake up in the morning and just recognize God and say, God, I want to follow you today. That may be all you do. Um, or it might be something more prolonged. But the fact is, when you do that, God is going to guide. Uh, that, uh, that scripture out of Isaiah, I think it's Isaiah 50, it says, I guide your steps continually. And that's either the truth or it isn't. So it's in those situations that we really need to trust God, even, even if we're going through difficulty, even if we hit hard space. That we say, no, no, God, your purposes are going to be manifested. And that's, I mean, taking a deep drink like Judy's talking about is going down into those places, those deep places of trust, and asking God, you know, where do I go? What do I do? Hear what's coming to you. Know that the Holy Spirit will give you discernment. And at the very last, go, if I don't know anything else, I know God's purposes will be done. His purposes will be done. So, which kind of flows into what I want to talk about today. Um, Jeremy, if you could just put up that first scripture. Um, we're talking about the Israelites going through from Egypt into the promised land. Should have taken seven days, but uh, that didn't work out that way, as we know. There's some important lessons along the way. They had known that God was going to make them a great nation and all this stuff. They would have heard these prophecies while they're in Egypt, but they were in Egypt a long time, and they needed to... to God was kind of saying, you need to learn who I am. You need to learn how I am. And uh, God chose to teach them that through a series of experiences that they had in the desert. It's very key to understand that God orchestrated these. He orchestrated them. Talk about your path being led by God. And, of course, they get three days out of Egypt, and the first thing they bump into is there's no water. We pick it up. It says, then the people complained and turned against Moses. <laughs> One of the great joys of being a leader. If there's a problem, guess who's going to get it? You're going to get it. <laughs> if their life goes bad, it's your fault, right? What are we going to drink? They demand it. That word demanded there, if you break it down, they were being nasty. It was their attitude. There was attitude coming out of them. And boy, we have to watch our attitude. It's, it's not so much what we say, it's how we say it, right? So Moses cried out to the Lord for help, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. Moses threw it into the water, and this made the water good to drink. You can go ahead there, Jeremy, to the next one. Should be another scripture after that. It was there at Marah that the Lord set before them the following decrees as a standard to test their faithfulness to him. Keep going there. He said, if you will listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, obeying his commands and keeping all his decrees, then I will not make you suffer any of the diseases I sent on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. And what's so important about that is that it says, if you will listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God. That's what it's all about, is listening to God's voice. And, you know, it's interesting because... God showed Moses a piece of wood. That word showed there is the verb for the word Torah, which are the books of teaching that Moses wrote. It's the Old Testament, it's the Jewish Bible, the Torah. And that word showed is actually the verb of that original word. So it's, it, God was showing Moses something. He was giving him instruction, which is what Torah means. But what's really interesting is that, and I, you read all the commentaries, and, and people think that the wood has got something to do. There's some kind of special thing in the wood that God knew about that was going to turn the water. It's actually unsubstantiated. The fact is, God just said, um, take that piece of wood and throw it in the water. That's basically what it, it's like he said to Moses. He said, what's that in your hand? 
Moses didn't know what to do with the Israelites going crazy. He said, what's that in your hand? He had a staff. He said, well, use it. It had nothing to do with the staff. It was that he trusted and obeyed God to do something that didn't make any sense. Didn't make any sense at all. So Moses throws the wood in there, and all of a sudden, the water is able to be consumed. And it brings us to that whole thing again, because Moses is displaying for the congregation obedience. God told him to do something that made no sense. And Moses just said, okay, we've come this far. Uh, I'll, I'll trust him with this too. And Moses threw it in, and away they went. I mean, they knew... The Israelites knew from the plagues that God could deliver them, that God could take care of them. He, he, they knew that. But now they were about to learn that God would take care of them, that it wasn't just a one-time thing back there in Egypt. God was trying to tell them the same way he's trying to tell you and I, that I will take care of you. And as the world progresses the way it's progressing, we are more and more going to have to trust that God didn't just do it back then, but he's going to do it now, he's going to do it tomorrow, and he's going to take care of what your destiny is, what your purposes is. I don't care how bad the world gets, your purposes and destiny do not change because the world changes. God is bigger than the world. Jesus said we have overcome the world in him. So God's plan for your life did not get sidelined because of COVID. It is not going to get sidelined because gas is $2 a, a liter, oh my heavens. Um, it's not going to be sidelined because there's no apartments anymore. God's purpose for you and I are going, those purposes are going to continue. All we have to do is believe that and throw a piece of wood in some water, so to speak, right? And obeying does not always make sense. How many times has God asked you and I to do something that just does not make sense? And I just want to go through a couple, two experiences in the Bible where God gave an answer to a prayer or a challenge, and it was by doing something that made no sense at all. And it's all about trusting God. It's all about doing something, listening to the voice of God, like, like Moses said to them, and then following God in doing this. There were three kings that got together, Jehoshaphat from uh, Judah, Jehoram from Israel, and the king of Edom. And they're going out to fight against Moab. This is in the Old Testament. And they get out there. They go out, and Israel started the whole thing. He got in touch with uh, Jehoshaphat, and then they got Edom involved. And they're marching out. It's, it, the context is wonderful. And after seven days, there's no, there's no water. There's, they're in the middle of the desert. And the king of, of uh, Israel, Jehoram, says, well, obviously God brought us here to die. <laughs> That's what he says. That's the first thing that comes out of his mouth. And uh, so Jehoshaphat says, is there a prophet somewhere? Is there a prophet in Israel that can come and tell us what to do here? And that really speaks to me because, boy, oh, boy, do we ever need the revelatory gifting. The revelatory gifting are word and knowledge, prophecy, interpretation, discernment, these kinds of things. Man, oh man, we need those giftings. And they're not there by mistake. They're there. God put them in the church because sometimes we need to hear a word from the Lord about what's going on. The same way he told us, even though we didn't know what he was telling us back in November of 2018 or 2019, that this is the first of a series of global shakings that are going to come on the earth, and then three months later, we're in the global situation of COVID. God can do those kinds of things. Um, he's still in that business, and we should be expecting to hear words from the Lord on stuff. So they asked Elisha the prophet what to do, and God told him to do something that made no sense at all. We pick it up in 2 Kings 3.15 to 18. But now bring me a musician. This is wonderful. The prophet wanted a musician. I don't know what, when people walk in halfway through worship, or I know people that on a consistent basis in churches come two, three songs into worship. I don't know what they're thinking worship is. If it's just like, you know, you go to the theater and you get the previews. Um, I don't know if that's what they think or, or what. I don't, I don't know what it is. 
But in this situation, we're being shown that the musician, the music, the worship at the beginning of a service is absolutely part of God's moving in the prophetic. Because Elisha asked for a musician, and he was a prophet. Then it happened when the musician played that the hand of the Lord came upon him. And he said, thus says the Lord, make this valley full of ditches. For thus saith the Lord, you shall, see, you shall not see wind, nor shall you see rain, yet this valley shall be filled with water, so that you, your cattle, and your animals may drink. And this is a simple matter. I love that, that they throw that in there. This is a simple matter in the sight of the Lord. He will also deliver the Moabites into your hands. So here they were, all these soldiers, tens of thousands of soldiers, ready for battle. These were serious soldiers. These are guys that like to fight. They like to fight. I remember there's a thing in the Old Testament where uh, some soldiers are together, and they said, let's get some of the young men up and fight. So they had 10 on one side, 10 on the other, and they just fought and killed each other. That was their entertainment. <laughs> what is that all about? These are fighting machines. And here they are ready to fight this Moabite enemy. And what does God tell them to do? Take out their spade. Now, the spade, the thing, was used to dig their latrines. You, you know what a latrine is? That's where they relieve themselves. They dig a hole in the desert and go and relieve themselves and then... So instead of using their swords to fight, God was saying, use your latrine shovels. This makes no sense. But obviously, thankfully, the kings believed it, and it said overnight, the valley filled with water, the ditches filled up with water so that it was level, and when the, the enemy, when the Moabites looked over, it looked like it was full of blood. Anyway, it's a long story, and they, and they go and they rout them, and they d really don't even have to do anything. The Moabites just take off. It's an incredible story, but it was done because they listened. They listened, and they trusted, or at least the kings did. It, um, and sometimes God calls us to do things in ways that we're not used to doing them. Someone at the uh, prayer meeting on Wednesday night told a story that they were estranged from their sister and it was like six years six years this estrangement and over those years there was the sense to maybe call or try to get in touch and I was talking to them they're saying that their daughter was telling them why don't you just call why don't you just go and apologize or whatever might need to be done and she felt no, I'm supposed to just leave it. Just leave it. And very counterintuitive, right? I don't know if you've ever had anyone like mad at you and that desire to just go fix it, just apologize and get it over with. It's part getting rid of your own guilt, but the other part is you want it fixed. Six years. All of a sudden, out of the blue, I think it was this week, wasn't it? This week, last week. The sister called out of the blue. And kaboom, the relationship is healed. Never had to do a thing. All she had to do was wait. That's all the, they had to do here was just wait. God put everything else in place. And waiting sometimes is the hardest thing to do. Oh, my dear, it's the hardest thing to do. There was a widow and her son in the Old Testament. This is another great story where God meets the need of somebody. And in this situation, they were without water. With the, when the kings got in the middle of the desert, they were without water. In this case, they're without food. And the widow and her son are out gathering some sticks. And we pick it up in 1 Kings 17, 10 to 13. So he the prophet Elijah, went to Zarephath. As he arrived at the gates of the village, and it's interesting to know that God sent him to this village. He had told Elijah they was going to send him to this village. As he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks, and he asked her, would you please bring me a little water in a cup? 
as she was going to get it, he called to her, bring me a bite of bread too. There's where God's setting it up. He's setting it up. You guys know the story here. But she said, I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house and I have only a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal and then my son and I will die. There was no social assistance back then. You couldn't go to a food bank. It was just done. She really thought that that was her fate, that she was going to die. We can get in situations where we really think it has no answer. It just is not going to be answered. But Elijah said something very interesting to her. He said, don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you said, but make a little bread for me first. Then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. Huge. You know where this is going. It really speaks. It's a great one for to preach at the beginning of, a, of an offering. Uh, because what God is saying, even though she only had enough for herself and her son, God was asking her to give out of her lack, to give when she thought there would be nothing left, and she did it. That's an amazing thing. How many times has God asked us to give, you know, the easy example would be financial, to give money that we don't think we can really afford to give. But we give it, and then all of a sudden, God comes in and pours stuff in. And, and that's the way God is. But again, it was counterintuitive. It was completely opposite to what we would think would be the way to go about this. But she listened. And I mean, God put this in the Bible for a reason. He knew that we'd be sitting here in 2022 reading this um, and looking at the principles of listening understanding that God is trying to teach us something. He's trying to teach us that he will provide, that he will be with us. It's not just about the past. It's about the now. And of course, she goes and does that, and the oil and the flour doesn't run out until the rains come, and then the crops come back in. And as soon as the crops come back in, the natural source of her supply came into place, and everything stopped from the miraculous. It's just an amazing thing that God is saying to us, especially in a time where we are living in such lack. And it looks like more and more of it is coming. And it is going to become that way. I heard, um, I heard a, a prophecy. I don't know, you know. I don't know. John Paul Jackson. How many know who John Paul Jackson is? Probably one of the foremost in the prophetic. He's dead now. He died about five, six years ago. But he was pretty darn dead on a lot of the time. He actually prophesied over a friend of mine and uh, some of the stuff that uh, actually they were in the, him and his wife were in a service with him and the wife was very skeptical and she said, Lord, I don't know, I don't know. John Paul, I don't know. And she said, if he's real, have him come down and pray for my husband. <laughs> right? So he comes down. And walks around as he usually does and walks right past her husband and said, see, I told you. And he went up onto the platform and then he went and he came back down and he prayed for her husband <laughs> and prayed something that came true. One of the things came true about 15 years later. But I heard John Paul Jackson do a prophecy talking about, and this would have been back probably around 2010 even. I don't know how far back it was. And he was talking about the days coming in the United States when he said, you will, how much money it will take to buy a loaf of bread. And he said that the transportation situations will be disrupted and all this stuff. And I'm going, wow. And we're starting to see the beginnings of those things, right? But who knows how God will meet our need? What he's saying is that he will do it. And the waters of Meribah that the Israelites hit and God orchestrated that, that they, they would hit that, Though they failed the test, God did not fail them. And here's another point that we have to understand. You're going to fail the test. You may pass the test or you may fail the test. Either way, we learn, right? That's the point. We learn. And because you failed the test does not mean God's going to fail you or he's going to turn his back on you. I don't know how many times I've thought that I've blown it and then you feel like God has then blown it 
for you and that you no longer have any right to speak for God. It just, it just rolls on and on. But what we learn out of the Israelites going into the promised land and all they went through is that God did not give up on them. He did not give up on his promises. They are his chosen people. He made promises to them and he's going to fulfill it. You are God's chosen people. God made promises to us. He's going to fulfill it. Some happen sooner, some happen later, but none the, nonetheless, they're going to happen. Just because we don't see an answer does not mean that there is not an answer. You know, they were on a journey, and they were, it was a journey designed by God to transform how they thought about themselves, about God's opinion of them. And you and I are still on that journey, and we still have to learn it. We still have to learn this. And it's designed, the journey that you're on and I'm on is designed to teach us how to trust and how to obey God when he asks us to do something. Uh, the journey with Jesus, when we look at it in Ephesians 4.13, this is, again, confirming that this is the journey you and I are on. Yes, we're learning about God. We're hopefully getting more intimate with God, hopefully understanding him better. That is what the journey is all about. One day we're not going to be here anymore and then it says we will be like him and all of this will be over. But until then, we're on a journey. Ephesians 4.13, Paul says, this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. This is what your walk is all about. It's not about how smart we are. It's, it's got nothing to do with that. It's about God teaching us and changing us into the image of Christ. Romans 8.29, for God knew his people in advance. He knew you in advance. He knew you'd be here today. He knew where you would be born. He knew your parents. He knew everything. And I have to go based on scripture that where you were born, who you were born to, what you went through, all this stuff, God has allowed that, designed that for purpose. That's hard to take sometimes. It's hard to understand how that all works out. But God knew his people in advance and he chose them, he chose you and I, to become like his son. That's the process. So that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And finally, Colossians, put on your new nature. Now that's an ongoing process, right? And be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. It's, this is a lifelong process, but that's what it's all about, that we become like our creator. So regardless of whether the challenges are from God, from the enemy, from our own mistakes, from other people's interferences in our life, there's a couple of scriptures that are just so important. 2 Corinthians 1, 21 to 22. I'll end with this, but these are so... Th I read these about a month ago, and I just... Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. This is Paul speaking. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. This is a powerful piece of scripture because what it's saying is that I don't know I don't know how you guys think about it and how we all think about it sometimes but there's an awful lot of onus on us to do it right. To do this Christian walk right. Some people are so caught by that that if they think they make a mistake, that they're not saved, that they're not going to get to heaven, that they've made some kind of a mistake, that they're just not going to make it to heaven because they haven't hit the mark. And what this is saying, it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. God will do that. God is going to make sure that you come through. God is the one who gives you the strength to believe when there's nothing really left to believe from. 
It's God who is going to get you up in the morning and you're going to once again, even though all hell might be against you, and you're going to say, I trust you, Lord. It's the Lord that's going to do that every day. We don't have to look down the road of our life and say, how are we ever going to do this? How am I ever going to fulfill this? How am I ever going to get to the finish line? God is guaranteeing that you are going to get to the finish line. And the way we know that is because it says he gave us his spirit guaranteeing what is to come. Well, what is to come? Eternal salvation, eternity with Christ. It's a guarantee. If you've received the Holy Spirit and you have, and we say, well, how do we know we've received the Holy Spirit? Well, one, your life changes. That is the single most powerful incident that tells us that we have received the Holy Spirit. You came to a point in your life where you accepted Christ, where you said, I want that, and all of a sudden your life starts changing. One of the more pronounced ones is if you can pick up the Bible and it starts making sense to you. Oh my heavens, like I can remember reading it before I came to my faith and after, and what a different experience that was. All of a sudden you're able to understand these things. And all of a sudden there are things dropping off in your life that, were, that are sinful and broken. And this happens over a whole lifetime. But that is the evidence that the Holy Spirit is in you. The fact that you would do something before you knew Christ and you just did it and you don't care. Afterwards, all of a sudden you're convicted. And all of a sudden you're concerned about doing things right. And all of a sudden your morality goes up. And, and your consciousness of sin comes all of a sudden that you've never had before. This is the proof that we have the Holy Spirit. And that is guaranteeing. And the, and the Greek word for guaranteeing there means it is a payment made with a guarantee of more to come. God is going to do this. He is guaranteeing that you will be with him. And I don't know about anyone else at that, but that gives me a lot of joy. That gives me a lot of hope because it takes the emphasis off me. Yes, we have to try. Yes, we have to listen and, and throw the wood in the water when God tells us to and, and try to do those things. Stay in the word and pray and, and be in the body. But fundamentally, it's God who's going to uh, perfect this and finish that good work. Ephesians also says, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. There again, Paul is telling us that God is guaranteeing. He is going to see to it that you make it through. Like I said, you've got to really fight God in order to go, to go in the other direction of this. It's got to be a willful, willful, rebellious turning away from God. Because God wants to use you for the praise of his glory. I saved him, and I saved him, and I saved him, and I saved him, and I saved him. That's all heaven's going to be. <laughs> God, look at the glorious, glorious thing that has been done. And finally, Ephesians 4.30. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way that you live. That's a beautiful word, sorrow. Sorrow. You know, when we do things wrong, especially on purpose, when we do things on, on, on purpose, it kind of brings sorrow. You know? It's funny it didn't say anger there, but it said sorrow. Because God wishes for so much more for our life. He wishes for so much more. He has this great picture of us, this great, wonderful picture of us that he wants to create. And when we, don't, when we fail and we, we miss it, it brings sorrow. And he comes at us again and gives us the lesson again. He has... Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. What a powerful group of scriptures. And that we can know that, Lord, you are the one who will do this. Help me to hear you. Help me to see you. Help me to follow you. Father, we thank you for your word today. 
We thank you, Lord, for what you've said to us and uh, how your word speaks so relevantly today in our circumstance, in our situation. And these promises, Father, seem more important today than they ever did. But we thank you, Lord, and we just say, Lord, yes. Help us to hear. Help us to follow. Help us to know you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, 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 amen. Jerry. Yeah, because the Holy Spirit wants to do good through us. That's his desire and intent. And when we go the other way, it's grieving him. And yeah, it's an opportunity missed. And we feel it, don't we, sometimes when we really make that, oh man, I missed that one. Ooh, shouldn't have said that or shouldn't have done that. or Especially when you feel it, God leading you in the right direction and you don't do it. <laughs> And it does, boy, it is. And I said, okay, Lord, I know. I just got to let this hurt. I just got to let it hurt for a few days um, and, and learn from it, you know. So, Mary. Yeah. So it's in um, Psalm 46. And the first one is uh, verse 1. God is our refuge and our strength, an ever-present help in trouble. And then number 7. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Mm. And number 10. He says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. And um, and then Psalm 47, 6. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Mm. Sing praises to our King. Sing praises. Mm. I just, yeah. God hit me with those and I've just been playing them all week. Yeah. They've been really strong with me. So yeah. Thanks, Mary. Thanks. Yeah. Brenda. Yep. Yeah, how do we start? Can you start it, Stephanie? Uh, yeah, faithful. Faithful one, so unchanging. Faithless one, you're my rock of peace. Lord of all. I depend on you, 
I call out to you again and again. I call out to you again and again. You are my rock in times of you lift me up when I fall down all through the storm your love is the It's a beautiful thing to know that God's love is never going to change. I have been struck with it over the last month or so, just the fact that we serve. We are so blessed to serve a God that actually loves us. And I don't, and I'm just getting more over the last months, I've been just getting deeper and deeper understandings of that and how I go, oh, thank you. Thank you, you're not a God up there keeping a report card. That I don't have to fulfill some kind of a job description in order to receive your love. You love me just as I am. Just as I am. And that you're benevolent towards us, patient and long-suffering and, and willing to walk with us and help us and pick us up. It's just, it's amazing. Just a gift. Anything else before we go on to the? And it's, yeah, yeah, it, it sums up the walk. It really does. I think when you think of the early church, and we all want to get back to the early church, right? That's where we'll <laughs> we think there's something about getting back to how that early church was. Well, that early church, the only thing it had was what you just said. It didn't have wealth. It didn't have possessions. It was being chased out of Dodge everywhere they went. They weren't getting any prosperity doctrine. I mean, God was meeting their needs, but it was through some tough crink and crank that those things came about. What was the fuel of their existence was the knowledge that God had forgiven them, that God was with them, and that one day they would be with him. That was it. That was it. The rest, they would try to pray for some people if they get healed and saved and that kind of stuff. But ultimately, the joy of their salvation was in what God had done in their life. And we in our faith in the West over the last 40 years have gotten so, so caught up in what God does to our lifestyle and our culture instead of what he has done for us eternally. And... It's just, I think we're heading back there. I think we're getting back to the, the basic fundamentals of our faith. What is it that we thank God for? That we are saved. Amen. And that he is with us and is going to redeem us on that day. He's our kinsman redeemer, you know. Yes. Mm. 
Yes, Jesus paid it all. It's finished. It doesn't. I don't. It does not matter what you have done. You could. Peter denied him. Peter denied him three times, and we heard Stephanie talk about that last week. And God, what does Jesus do? What does He do with someone who denies Him? Makes him the head of the church. <laughs> there you go, Ron. Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was Ron got in touch on Monday and, and there was it was so funny because there was me and, and uh Margaret and a couple of uh, Grace and Trisha downstairs and we, I said, Do you think we can do it? And we started figuring out how many people it would take and we were getting all excited. <laughs> And then we saw how much work it was going to be. And we just don't have the physical people to do the work anymore, right? Someone had to go to the store and everything. And, and we all just said, let's just buy them. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> and so, but nonetheless, the, the, the need was met. And uh, it's just, and it felt so good to be doing something, you know, in an outreach manner like that. So, yeah, so we were able to provide 150 sandwiches for them and, um, so, yeah, it was good. And thanks for giving us the opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. Jerry, you were going to say something? The widow's might. Yeah. Yeah, giving out of your need is, yeah. So, well, speaking of giving out of need, <laughs> that's a good segue. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, it's, I love what Paul said in Corinthians. He said, give out of your ability to give, right? Not out of compulsion. It's a, Father, we want to give back to you today because uh, it's an act of worship and thanks. And uh, it's another way we can say we trust you and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.